0: your worship guides out. Everybody ready to get into the Word today? All right, 10 people are ready. Poke your neighbor, punch your neighbor, slap your neighbor, do whatever you need to do. Uh, We're we're trying to wake up over here. Okay, so we're in uh, a series called Joy to the World. And how many know we need a little joy in our world? Yeah, I don't know about you, but I do. I could give you like three or four stories about, you know, how I needed some joy this week and just looking at you know, people and and just how they're living and looking at people and how they're looking. You know what I mean? Uh, you just you just need some joy. And so this series is dedicated uh, to kind of uh, restoring or getting back the joy, maybe that we lost, maybe never had in the first place. Last week we looked at that and we looked at the source of our joy. And I'm going to build on that. I'm going to um, kind of certain things I'm going to say today will be saying the same thing just kind of a different way because I think we need to hear it more than once sometimes. But today's message is entitled The Mirage of Happiness. The Mirage of Happiness. And I was looking up some happiness quotes and, and, and some of them were kind of comical, kind of interesting to me. Um, I heard this one quote, it said, life is too short, uh, so smile while you still have teeth. And, and so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, another one said, I didn't find out about happiness until I got married. And then it was too late. <laughs> and so that was another one that we don't say at home. And, um, <laughs> and then I saw another one that said, some people cause happiness wherever they go, and some people cause happiness whenever they go. <laughs> I just thought of people. I had faces flash across the screen of my mind when I, when, I, when, I, when I read that one. This one was funny, to me anyway. Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. <laughs> I'll just let that sink in. Okay. Anyway, but this one is common, and this is the one I'm gonna piggyback on in today's message. But this is one I've heard a lot. But life is no good unless you're having fun. Has anybody ever heard that before? Life's no good unless you're having fun, okay? Alright, some of you haven't heard that before, and that's why you're not having any fun, okay? Because you you haven't seen that or heard that. But what I want you to understand today is the gateway to fun. The gateway to fun is joy, not happiness. True happiness is really doesn't exist. It's a mirage, and so the gateway to fun is really joy. But I want to tell you a story, a true story, that was just fascinating to me about a guy that wanted to have some fun. He was seeking happiness. He was seeking, you know, something that would just, you know, give him fulfillment and purpose. And I think he went about it the wrong way. And, um, and he definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time. And this guy had a plan for fun, but I don't think it was the best plan. And I'm not going to try to protect his name or the innocence of it. You can look this up online to verify the veracity of this story, but this is a story about a guy named Larry. And Larry, as a young boy, grew up and wanted to be a pilot. In fact, he grew up outside of or near LAX uh, airport on the West Coast. And every single day, he would get up and we'd go out and he would sit in a chair and he would watch the planes land and take off, land and take off. And, And it would just reinforce this dream that one day I want to be a pilot. As he got older... He eventually went to the Air Force, uh, you know, that was his dream, and ultimately he he would want to become a pilot in the Air Force, and through a series of tests that he had to go through to become a pilot, they discovered that because of his eyesight being so poor, he could never fly, and he was was super depressed because of that, uh, devastated as a result, and he went back home. And he went back home, and he went back to his pattern, went back to his roots, and he would get outside every day, and he'd watch the planes take off and watch the planes land. And and as he's sitting out there in his lawn chair, one day, uh, Larry gets a great idea. Pause for effect. Supposedly, he gets a great idea. And he and a group of friends uh, kind of concocted a plan, and the plan um, consisted of going to the army surplus store, buying some helium balloons and then 45 of them, and then filling them with this helium gas, uh, tying ropes to those helium balloons, and then attaching those ropes to a lawn chair. Is anybody seeing where this is going? Larry had a plan uh, to, to fly, and he dubbed his lawn chair, he named it Inspiration One. This is a true story, okay? He had everything uh, tied down to the ground, all these balloons, and attached to his lawn chair, after he kind of created a little harness and had a little um, you know, a, a escape plan with his parachute, attached to his, uh, his lawn chair, he had a cooler. And inside his cooler, he had a six-pack of Miller Lite. Come on, somebody. How many know he probably had a few of these before he came up with this idea? So he had a six-pack of Miller Lite. He had two sandwiches. He had a BB gun and some binoculars. Okay? So he had the necessities, okay, for this flight on Inspiration One. Okay? Now, the plan was that at a certain point in time, Uh, his friends would cut these cords, and Larry would would ascend to approximately 100 feet. And then, based on their calculations and estimations, that he would kind of lie in that area, and then Larry would pull out his cooler, drink his six-pack, eat his two sandwiches, and then when he was ready to come down, he would take his BB gun out, shoot a couple of the helium balloons, and he would descend to the ground, and he would fulfill his dreams. Well, it didn't happen like that, everybody. (laughs) I thought you'd think that was true. (laughs) And uh, nobody cut the cords because a strong wind came and that wasn't predicted or planned or estimated. And that wind took Larry up in the lawn chair with the 45 balloons of helium attached to it. And not only did he go to 100 feet, he went immediately to 1,000 feet. Not only did he go to 1,000 feet, but he continued to ascend to 5,000 feet, then 10,000 feet. Ultimately, he began, he leveled off at 16,000 feet for 14 hours. (laughs) As he is up there on Inspiration One, he is in the flight path of LAX airport, everybody. (laughs) Commercial Airlines spot Larry in his lawn chair. (laughs) Uh, We see a man in a lawn chair tower, we have, yes, he has a six pack of Miller Lite (laughs) and a couple of sandwiches (laughs) and a BB gun. And so he's in this path and it's super dangerous. And down on the ground, they're, they're trying to notify LAS of this unfortunate circumstance. It's freezing cold up there. And ultimately he sets a world record for the longest sustained flight at that elevation without oxygen. Maybe he didn't have enough oxygen before he started. Again, that's just another conclusion that I've drawn over time. And so uh, Larry's starting to freak out because he could die up there. And, but if he shot, he was scared to shoot these helium balloons now at the elevation he was because it could tip the chair over and he could fall to his death. But he had no other choice. And so he begins to shoot the balloons in different locations at different si- By the way, they're very thin membrane, these things. It's crazy what he had to do. And he began to descend Really, really fast. And as he's descending really fast, these ropes that were attached to the balloons fall to the side of the chair and they're dangling. And he uh, descended so fast that he uh, began to approach uh, Long Beach, uh, California, near the coastline. And he ran into some power lines, got all wrapped up in the power lines in his lawn chair. He's just dangling there from the power lines. The news, the police all show up and 20,000 people lost power. (laughs) and when the news got there they asked Larry they said why would you do this what was the purpose of this and all Larry could say is you can't just sit around waiting to have fun you got to do something about it (laughs) Larry won the Darwin Award that year for the stupidest human trick in 1988 of all time, okay? That's Larry's story and he's sticking with it. I hope you have a better plan for fun. Turn to your neighbors, and say, you need a better plan for fun. <laughs> fun or happiness is something that we are completely consumed by. If we're honest, in fact, different seasons of our life, it's all we live for. It's all we live for is to have fun. What am I going to do to have fun? What am I going to do to be happy? And as we continue, I want to tell you something and reinforce it as much as I can, that happiness is not the answer to our problems or to our situation. Joy is the answer to everything. Can I have an amen or an oh me out there? So how to have joy no matter what. Okay? Uh, first of all, write this down. Realize that joy and happiness are totally different, okay? Uh, happiness is about happenings, happenstance, circumstance. Uh, this time of year, if you look in the refrigerator and all the eggnog is gone and you're angry about it, that's an example of a circumstantial happiness. If you're looking, uh, w- did I not get a Christmas bonus? And as a result, you're not happy. Uh, if I'm not getting along with everybody at work uh, I, I, it's because of that, that I'm not happy. If I had to stand in line... to. Derek, too long to buy a small thing for Christmas and it didn't seem worth it to you and you got really upset and, and you got agitated because you were hangry. I'm sorry, I'm just working some stuff out right now. <laughs> but but that, that, that's a circumstantial happenings uh, kind of happiness. So happiness is not the answer to our problems. Joy is the answer. All circumstantial happiness or combinations of circumstance in, in, when we live that way, we're looking for like the perfect alignment, the placid pond, the the uh, situational perfection. And in those situations, when we live for happiness, it's always dependent on something or someone for us to be happy. But joy is not dependent on circumstance. Joy is different. Everybody say joy is different. Joy is constant not circumstantial. You might want to write that down. Joy is constant, not circumstantial, because the source of joy is constant. The reason that joy is constant is because the source of joy is constant. So we need to learn how to connect to the source of joy. Can I have an amen? And so my goal is to encourage you. If you're listening online, if you're listening in Framingham, my goal in here, my goal is to encourage you that, that that give you something today that you would know and walk away that no matter what you can have joy, no matter what you're going through, no matter the painful situation, the circumstantial difficulties that you might be facing, the trial that seems endless. And insurmountable, I just want you to know, it's possible to have God's perfect, pure, uh, unspeakable joy every day. And if you don't believe that, I'm going to try to convince you of that in Jesus' name. Amen? James chapter 1, verse 1, look what it says. It says, consider it pure joy. Everybody say pure. Pure joy. It's not just joy. It's pure joy. It's like 100% joy. Like high-grade joy. Joy. God's trying to say something. It's it's not 30%, 50%. It's it's 100%. It's the highest grade of joy. Here's the result. If you get that, you tap into that. He says, when you face trials of many kinds, because you'll know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. When you get pure joy, you will be um, able to be a witness to the world around you. I think one of the most significant impactful things that Christians can do is face the jacked up, messed up, cursed world that Jesus promised we would live in and show them that we can still have joy in spite of those situations and circumstances. That's what really impacts people. That's what impacts me. See, sometimes God answers your prayers Um, and you might, somebody online, I just feel like you you might be listening to this. You're going through a difficulty, and you're asking God to answer your prayer. And I want to say something. He answers your prayer sometimes by giving you the capacity to pull through that problem. He answers your prayers not by changing your circumstances, which is always our preference. He answers our prayers by giving us the grace, the empowerment, and the joy of the Lord, which becomes your strength. And that, he did that that way, so it wouldn't just help you, you'd help somebody else. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good preaching right there, okay? So he gives you pure joy. Now, this typically, in the natural, is one of my least favorite scriptures in the Bible because it means I'm gonna be tested. Ugh! I'm gonna be tested to have joy in trial or difficulty unadulterated, perfect, pure joy it seems impossible in fact, the Bible takes it up a notch it doesn't just say before you go into a test consider it pure joy it says in Philippians 4.4 always be full of joy that means before, during, and after the Bible is telling you always, just have joy Yeah, but how do you have it? Hang on for the show. Hang on. We're going to keep talking about it, okay? The reason most people, I'll say it like this. The reason many of us don't experience real joy is because we're chasing after a mirage of happiness. The reason you're not getting the joy of the Lord, which becomes your strength, is because you're pursuing and running after this mirage. You've, you've, been to, you've, you've watched the movies where there's a mirage, somebody's in a desert, they see like a, a watery spot, and, and they go running after it. Maybe they're so tired they're crawling to it, only to get there, and what? It's just a pile of sand. See, mirage, I'm, excuse me, happiness is a mirage waiting to happen, People are chasing after something only to find out at the end of the road, it's just a pile of sand. The world does this all the time. If you get this, you'll be happy. If you buy that for the low, low price of blah, 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 you're going to be happy. And that's why it's inundating you at night with 29,000 commercials about all the things you should get. If you have this relationship, if you you have this person in your life, then you'll be happy. All these things, if you get to the the promotion, if you get the bonus, if you get to the next tax bracket, if you get the bigger house, only at the end of the road you discover it's just a mirage. It's just a mirage. When Napoleon, uh, the emperor, conquered the then known world, the quote is that he, he once he conquered it all, he wept bitterly. Why? He, it says because there were no more worlds to conquer. He was at the end. There's nothing, there's nothing left. Ah! My dad, who before he was in ministry and surrendered his life to Christ as a converted atheist, when he got to the end of his life... Excuse me, when he got to the end of his career, he realized something. He was following the wrong guy and the wrong the wrong goals. He had a mentor in his life who had risen to the top as the number one salesman, then eventually became the president of the company. And my dad wanted to do the same They he wanted to be just like him. And my dad became one of the top salesmen, and he was aspiring to become the president. Then his mentor, who was the president, left the company and became a chairman of the board of a conglomerate of companies. And he had houses in all different parts of the world, and beautiful kids that went to the best schools, and a trophy wife. And after he had climbed the ladder, listen, he jumped off the ladder and he took his life. And my dad, he had like an aha moment. I'm chasing that guy. And that's what that guy did. See, happiness is a mirage waiting to happen. Are you with me, everybody? So I believe this, and I hope you do too. The Holy Spirit is a much better master of my happiness than my flesh or carnal nature. My flesh has never led me to happiness. Temporary, maybe pleasure, but never true happiness or true satisfaction. In fact, when I let my flesh lead me, I'll find at the end of it less. In fact, there's like a vacuum, a void. Uh, it's, there's an emptiness it's on the other side of that. But when I truly met Jesus, and I emphasize truly met, truly meaning I didn't just say the salvation prayer, experience fire insurance. No, I surrendered to him as Lord. I gave him the wheel of my life. When I did that, that was when I began to experience the source of real joy. Is everybody with me? Because some people say, well, I have Jesus in my life, but I don't have joy. And I would say to you, that's because you're doing it wrong, Are you doing it for the wrong reasons. It works. Jesus brings joy, and it works. Can I have an amen? And so this, this man in the story I told you about, Larry, he, went, he, he left you know, all that craziness and that crazy story, and he took his life as well. Larry was looking for something, happiness in the wrong place, in the wrong way. It just as an aside, um, I, I want to be sensitive, too, to the, you know, the situational issue that we have in our culture today where te- depression is it, a real disease and it's at an all-time high. And I'm not trying to be trite about this disease or this you know, mental disorder, but it, it causes, it, it for real, it causes a ton of disabilities. Uh, it, more than any other condition, it's the second leading cause of hospitalization. Um, an old stat that I have, I think it's much further than this, but there are 38 million Americans that are clinically depressed. I believe there's so many more because there's more people that are depressed that haven't been evaluated or haven't gone to see a doctor. I think just the male population alone could double that, because men never go to the doctor. We could have a tumor the side of our face, the size of our head, and we would just think, ah, I'll sleep it off, honey. I'll be okay. (laughs) That's how stupid we are. But anyway, we're just no big deal. But millions aren't even diagnosed. And the medical profession basically says they believe there's no cure for depression, but I believe there's a key, and I believe there is a source to overcome depression, and that is joy. That is joy. Turn to your neighbor and say, joy. We all need some joy. joy. Write this down. Uh, number two, I got to move quickly. Number two, realize the presence of Jesus produces the present of joy. The presence of Jesus produces the present of joy. I stole this point from Darius Daniels. This is a great point. Uh, basically, w- one of the things that I think we don't realize is that, that, that Santa Claus, we seeing is coming to town, but Jesus already came down. The thing that makes our joy complete or fulfilled or even possible is because Jesus came from heaven to earth. And when he did, joy, Jesus' presence brought about the present of joy. Look at this verse in Luke 2.10. It says, but the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause... See, look, Jesus came down. What happened? It caused what? It caused great joy. For some people, no. It caused great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The presence of Jesus brings the present of joy. It's the best present you can get at Christmas time. Somebody, are you guys with me out there? And so I want that for you. I want you to have that. But you've got to have Jesus truly surrendered to Jesus. But when you do, you will have joy. It's your birthright as a Christian. Joy is germane to Christianity. Joy is a byproduct of relationship with Jesus Christ. One man said that Christianity is a unique religion of joy. In other words, among many things, it is a distinguishing factor from all the other religions of the world that you could have joy in the middle of this crazy nuts, cursed a difficult, trial-infested world that we are in. Yes, it is possible to have that, and it is that that makes us different. Joy is inherent within Christianity. And just like you can't, you know, if you go in water, you can't get wet, you can't know Jesus and not have joy. I need a better amen from this second service, okay? So God created joy. Jesus Was the embodiment of joy. The Holy Spirit provides us the fruit of joy in our life. The Bible itself is filled with promises, one after the other, uh, referring to joy. 218 scriptures related to the promise of joy in our life. Let me read you one from Psalm 35, 5. It says, Weeping may endure for a night. Man, I need a B3 organ on that one. Weeping may endure for a night. But what? But joy comes in the morning. This is actually referencing a season of difficulty in your life. Have any of you ever had or are any of you within a difficult season in life right now? The Bible says you need to just hang on through the night. If you can just hold on through the night, joy is coming. Joy is coming in the morning. Some of you, I hope you're getting a little bit of joy this morning just from hearing the word of God. Amen. I'm here to tell you that joy is coming to you. If you can just hang on, if you can just make it through that difficult season, don't give up. Don't shrink back. Don't quit. Don't uh, rely on happiness. Rely on the source of your strength. Psalm 3011 says this. Oh, this verse gets me fired up. Look at this. It says, you've turned my wailing, what? Come on, say it. Into Look at that. It's in the Bible. Dancing. Oh, there it is. A little bit of dancing. You remove my sackcloth and you clothe me with joy. This is a piggyback off last week where we talk about the importance of you have to put on what the garment of praise to overcome a spirit of heaviness, Isaiah 61.3. Nobody was there last week or paid attention, but anyway, you, you, you have to put it on. This is talking about clothing yourselves with joy. You, can't ju- you have it available to you, but you have to clothe yourself with it. He's saying this. I w- he was moping and doping, and all of a sudden, he started moving, and his, everything began to change. Some of you, literally, it's a physical response to a promise of God. Some of you are not willing to move, and that's why, you know, you're not receiving the joy that God has for you. You're waiting for God to move you. He's saying, no, you move, and then I'll move inside of you. In fact, I want you to do me a favor. We're going to have a corporate dance class right now, okay? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet. This won't be scary. This won't be scary, okay? Remember... Remember this, last week I was reading from, this would be super simple, I'm not going to go crazy and bust a, bust a cuff or anything like that, okay? This is church, okay? This is church. It took me years to be able to do this in church. Uh, but but I, I read from Ezra chapter 8, verse 6, where it talked about, if you weren't here last week, basically Ezra, there was a, there was a process... Before we go to God with our petitions, our concerns, before we experience uh, His presence in an intimate way, we have to come before God with praise and with thanksgiving. We lift our hands, we give thanks to the great God, and we say, "Amen, Amen." Does anybody remember that? And then after we do that, then we can get down and we can worship God. So I want you to just hit this, hit this, hit a Freddie Hammond song, one of my PD jams. to him. Let's so. Give it to him. so So we're gonna start with praise, okay? All right, so now everybody just kinda like, you just just got a little bounce. Just a little bounce. You guys, see, you're already dancing. Little louder, little louder, I need some beat. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, all right, now we're gonna go to the left. Come on, you can go right to the left. A bigger step. I wanna hear, I wanna hear. You All right, ready? Come on, back step. You guys got this? I don't know what I'm doing. Come on. You can go boy. It's easy, it's just a little step. Alright, alright, all right. you guys get it? Now, we begin to praise, but then it climaxes in a point of like a volley of praise. And so we begin to kind of just glorify God. Go ahead and play that that uh, that bridge part of the song. All right, we're going to transition out of this into worship. A little loud. All right, everybody, give God a big praise. We say amen, amen. Amen, amen. God is worthy. Come on, let's give Him our best. Oh, in the black church, they go like this. Woo! Woo! Come on, come on, come on. We worship you, God. You are the great and mighty God. We lift you higher in this place in Jesus' name. You are God we ask you, Lord to come to this place fill this place fill our lives give us the joy of the Lord which is our strength in Jesus name we worship you we worship you we worship you God we thank you Jesus and so after you praise it's appropriate to be able to worship and this is where you can kind of you, you don't have to do this but I'll just model it for you But this is what I do sometimes by myself as I praise and then I get on my knees and my face before God. And I just sometimes can just be very still and yield. I submit to his authority. I ask him to do a work in my heart to change me from the inside out. Do that surgery on my emotions. Do that surgery on my thinking, God. Renew my mind. Renew a right spirit in me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation in Jesus' name. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I praise you that you're changing me. Lord, anything that's sinful, anything that's ungodly, Lord, I just ask that you take it out in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit, oh God. Make me a new person, a new person in Christ Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Touch your people, God. Show the Lord the power and the, the benefit of worship, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Now it's appropriate in this situation, it's appropriate to present your request to God. It's appropriate. Now you can be in the Holy of Holies. It's not okay to just go barging into the bedroom. Sometimes you have to go through different rooms before you can get to those places of intimacy. And many of you are not experiencing the intimacy where God can pour his spirit into you because you're rushing through praise. You're even eliminating praise. You start doing and following his prescription for joy by saying, amen, amen. Unto a great God, I give you thanksgiving. Unto a great God, I worship you and I exalt you and honor you. And then when you do that, then you can come before God. And then he can do surgery on the inside of you. Is everybody with me right now? Do you get it? Can you guys give God praise for that right now? Thank you, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, joy looks good on you right now. It's already changed. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. (laughs) This is what happens. You begin to change. Psalm 40, verse 2, it says, This is what happens when you praise and worship. It says, he lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of mud and mire. Some of you come in and you're like, you feel a certain way. You feel, there's, there's always an original, but sometimes we're serving the counterfeit. But you know what it's like, even at Christmas time, you can put on some Christmas carols and in seconds you feel better. That's just a count. That's not even the original. What I'm providing for you and trying to demonstrate imperfectly is there's an original. God wants to do something. And when you do this, you follow His prescription for joy. The Bible says He will put, in verse 3, a new song in my mouth. And that song will feed your spirit, a hymn of praise to our God. And what happens is a byproduct of that, and you can tell when somebody is different or the heaviness is lifted and the depression no longer has a hold on the person is when they stop talking about it as their identification. It's, it's, it's okay to be fighting something, but I don't believe it's okay uh, to, to say that, 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 that depression is who I am. Depression is not who I am, it's what I'm going through. My identity is not in how I feel. Can I have an amen? Amen. I was confessing things to God in my in my praise and worship time recently, and I just started, this this is who I am, because your word says this is who I am. And I'm lining my emotions and I'm lining up my thinking and my convictions with what God's word says. And I just think it's so important. When you do that, it was just a small picture, you get a new song, you get a new bounce. Some of you needed some help with your bounce. I got to tell you that right now. You got to, it's got to have some bounce. Some of you are like, anyway, we'll get to that in the next week. No, I'm just kidding. None of you will come back next week. All right, write this down. Number three, (laughs) realize joy comes also from serving others, from serving others. There are just some prescriptions in the Bible we just can't get around. Proverbs 11.25 says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be what? They'll be refreshed. I believe many are not refreshed and are walking around with heavy hearts because they're full, listen, of themselves and not emptying themselves. I'm sorry, but there's no way around that. There's no way around that. You're caught in your own orbit. You're caught in a gravitational pull. To self-centeredness. I write this down. When we empty ourselves, we can't be full of ourselves. Scientists discovered this a long time ago, but humanity still struggles. We are not the center of the universe. I'm not allowing you into my world. The world does not revolve around me. And the scripture says, if you want to be refreshed and have the spirit of God and the work of God in your life, you have to give your life away to others. I want to remind you at Christmas time that it is more blessed to give, more happy to give than to receive. Amen? We are, we are the center of our joy. Jesus is the center of our joy. And hours before Jesus went to the cross, listen to this, hours before a, a, a horrible, gruesome death, a murder, really, the Bible says that Jesus had joy. Hebrews 12, 2, it says that, that, um, the, that uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Before? He went to the cross. He already had joy, knowing he was going to the cross. I don't know about you, but like, I need joy like that. Like, you know, you know you're going to the cross and you still have joy. That's a whole nother level of living that is either crazy or absolutely powerful. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, in the message, it says, so what should we do? Keep our eyes on Jesus because he did this, who both began and finished this race. Study how he did it. That's why we go to church. That's why we read our Bibles and pray, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. And so when you find yourselves flagging your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And right before Jesus died, his final words to his disciples in John chapter 15, he kind of gives some instruction again on how to have this fullness of joy. He says, I have loved you guys as the father loved me. So I want you to remain in my love and I want you to do what I say, uh, just as I did what my father said. In verse 11, he said, I've told you these things so that you'll you'll be filled with what? My joy. Yes, he says, your joy will overflow. I have have a promise for you that your joy will overflow, but you have to remain in my love. You have to keep my commandments. You have to do what, what I did for you. What did you do for us, Jesus? Verse 12. He said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. Here's how you measure it. By laying down your life for your friends. See, people who have joy are thinking about others. They're preferring others, they're serving others. They get up every day and think, how can I make somebody else's life better? I have this rule of five that I live by, five things I do every day, and one of the things that I do every day is make a difference in someone's life. It could be very small, pay for somebody's groceries, carry somebody's bag you know, uh, to the door, open the door for somebody, say an encouraging word to somebody, pray for somebody, you know. And, 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 and it changes you I'm filled with joy. I get to testify about those stories, but they are too. When somebody, instead of talking about your grandkids all the time, ask them about their grandkids. Come on, somebody. You need to find ways to ask 10, 12 questions about them. If they're asking a question of you, politely respond, but then turn it right back to them. This is how we serve others, and in doing so, we find joy. God is looking for people. It's like Uncle Sam. He's looking for a few good men, a few good women, who will lay down their lives for their brothers and sisters, and in doing so, God will give you real joy. If you'll volunteer yourself, there will be overflowing joy. But self-absorbed, self-centered, selfish people cannot experience the joy of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. The Holy Spirit won't compete with self. And so we have to decide. We have to make those decisions. Amen? Number four, write this down. Realize joy comes from giving to others. Now, I'm going to skip a big portion of this because I want to make an announcement, and I want to conserve time, and because I talked a lot about this in the previous series, but 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul gives us some instruction. In order for us to have joy, he says, each one of you, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, must give as he has decided in his heart. This, by the way, that's our goal at Connect here, and we don't want people giving under compulsion or obligation. And I'm so proud of you because you get it. You really do. Paul spoke to the Philippian church in the, in the church of Thessalonica and says, you guys get it. You guys get giving. I can say that as a pastor, that you guys really get it. But here's why. Because God loves a what? A cheerful giver. He, or you could say a joy-filled giver. Uh, this word cheerful in the Greek, mean, it comes from the Greek word hilaros. Does it sound familiar? That's where we get the word hilarious. God loves hilarious givers, joy-filled givers. He loves people who, when they give, if you've ever given something sacrificially like many of you did for our legacy offering just recently, if you've ever done that, you probably had what I call the Michael Jackson moment where you're just like, oh gosh, this is crazy. Oh man, oh, he, hoo, he, hoo, he-he! And you release it, <laughs> and you get up on your toes, and, and, and you just feel, and you just, it just comes over you, and, and you want to moonwalk, and, and if Michael Jackson was playing, I would, but, uh, but I'm not. But you have that moment. You have that joy. And some of you had that a few weeks ago. And I'm, and I'm pleased to announce uh, th- this isn't the full culmination because some people are still giving and, 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 and it's coming in in trickles. But I, I had to do it because it's our last service together and uh, talking to you guys online and talking to you all together in this room. But three weeks ago, we had a legacy offering, which was all about our vision, five areas of vision. 100% of the money is going to go to the vision. Check it out. If I had a drum roll, I'd be doing it right now. But you guys gave... Those of you who contributed gave $170,000 to our legacy offering. Come on, that's incredible, incredible. You are cheerful givers, and I'm so proud of you. Number five, write this down. Realize that joy. Last point is a free gift. Everybody say free gift. Free. By the way, salvation's free, healing's free, but you need to know something: joy is free too. And here's what goes on in Second Corinthians 6:16. 6, Paul's speaking, and he basically says this. He says, what can God, how can God have union with something that's out of order or, or not healthy? And, and it makes me think of when I truly gave my life to Christ. But before I say that, I can remember, here's an analogy. I can remember, because I grew up in this church. I've been in this church for years and years and years in this building. I told you i would clean this building. I was a janitor for this building. And I can remember coming here, and I'm pretty sure <clears throat> some of the materials in the wall, the woods, in the, the wood in the wall, uh, goes all the way back to Noah's Ark, okay? And this is an old building, okay? Really, really old. And I remember thinking to myself, some really great things have happened here, God, but this building needs to be renovated. I, I need to do something. I need to do something. And I felt like I was going to be a part of that. And thank, thank God I have been a part, along with many other people, to renovate this. So when I met Jesus, it, it was a great thing that happened. I, I, I met Christ. I gave him my life. But when I do, the Holy Spirit comes into my life. And the Holy Spirit, he sees things and he, and he sees that there's, he sees that I was a mess, that I was broken, that I had sin, there was darkness, there was filth. And the Holy Spirit can't live in an environment of filth, disorder, or sin. And so what will he do? He will constantly work to change me from the, graciously, constantly work to change me from the inside out. Ultimately, what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's renovating me. Just like we needed to renovate this building, God wants to renovate you, your temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit of which He resides. But for that to happen, everybody say for that to happen, I have to surrender control. See, for you to have the fruit, one of which is the joy of the Lord, you have to surrender control to him. Look what this, what this verse says in Galatians 5:22. I'm reading from today's Living Bible. Galatians 5:22 says but when the holy spirit controls everybody say controls when the holy spirit controls our lives then he will produce this what this kind of fruit in us love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control all of that all of this can happen if we surrender control to the holy spirit See, many of us, we're, we're, not, we're not willing to do that. One of my least favorite bumper stickers that's out there today, and I mean no offense to anybody who has bumper stickers, although I'd like to pray for you about that. But anyway, but for those who have this bumper sticker where it says, God is my co-pilot, I, I don't think God is anybody's co-pilot. I think God is the pilot. And I am the passenger. And as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't want to mess anything up. So he can be the pilot. I'm going to take the first class tickets that he gave me. I'm going to put my tray table up. I'm going to put my seat back. I'm going to buckle up. I'm going to put my luggage overhead. And I'm going to let him do all the flying for my life. Can I have an amen? amen. I don't want to mess that up. So I'm going to make sure that he's in control of my life. And when I do, I have a way better flight. I don't have a Larry flight I have a flight plan, not going to LAX and being in places I shouldn't be. God has the best plan. And when he controls my life, I get not just one fruit, I get all of the fruit. But one of those is joy. And so God never promised you happiness. God promised you joy. He actually promised you difficulties, trials, persecutions. He said in this world, they will happen to you. But he also promised you that no matter what, You could have joy. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you as we conclude today. I hope you guys got something out of this. I hope those of you online got something out of this. The campus pastor can join me at this time. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you guys to be really still. No moving around. If you're watching online, just just kind of hang on here. This is an important and it's a sacred moment. It's a critical moment for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, being very, very still, I want to ask you a question. I want you to ask this question to yourself. What area, be still, what area of your life is not under the control of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in Psalm 43, send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. God wants to be the source of all your joy, but you have to surrender control to him today. Some of you have never met Jesus. And I don't know where you are. You, you might be sitting behind a computer today, and you're hurting. You might be in this room today, and there's, there's, there's a burden in your life. You don't know how to get over. You might not even feel right, and you don't know why. God is the answer. Jesus' presence is, brings with it the present of joy. But you got to meet Jesus first to have that joy. And if you've never met Jesus today, If you've never come in contact with him in a personal way, not some religious way, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a minute, but I'm going to ask you to take a step here and online, if that's you, I would just like you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to make sure that I meet Jesus today. I don't want to leave this room today without knowing that I am in right standing with God. I am connected to God, and I want to do that, and I know it's through the Son, Jesus. If that's you, go ahead and raise your hand boldly. Do not miss the opportunity. This is your moment to be okay with God, to be in right standing with God. If that's you online, you can just click that little button that says, that's me. I want to pray with you too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus church, would you pray this prayer with me? And those that are online, you can pray at the same time. Just say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that today is the day of salvation for me. I receive the gift of salvation and the gift of joy. Lord, for those of us who are saved already, I pray you restore the joy of salvation for me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Be near to me, O God. Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer, either for the first time receiving salvation or for, Lord, those who already knew you but needed that joy to be restored again. I pray, Lord, that as they came in one way, they leave another way because they have received real joy, which is more important than happiness, and we will no longer follow and be be, uh, motivated by the mirage of happiness. We know that joy is the only thing that can bring happiness, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all the church said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. We love you guys.